Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Balls and Whistles, a Highland News and Media Sports podcast. As always, I am Andrew Henderson, and today it really must be unlucky for some because sports editor Will Clark is back from his holiday. Will, how are you doing? <laughs> Certainly unlucky for me anyway. Um, word to the wise, during a lockdown, don't take two weeks holiday. You'll just be bored rigid. I barely walked out the door. Um, for good reasons, you know, there's still a virus going about. I'm just doing my part. So I had my fill of daytime TV, entered a couple of competitions to win 60 grand. I'm still waiting to hear if I won. I'll keep fingers crossed then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you've still got holidays to book, book them towards the end of the year when hopefully it's not a problem because it's not much fun having a holiday during lockdown. I mean, you're saying that like it's something new for people. We've been in this situation for the last year. <laughs> I know, to be fair, yeah. If you haven't learned by now, more fool you. Yeah, exactly. Well, more fool you. Right. You've missed quite a lot over the last couple of weeks, but it's been a busy one this time when you're back as well. There's obviously the Highland Derby last Friday that we're going to go on and talk about, and you even got thrown straight back into the action at a match on Tuesday night. So let's just start with Callie Thistle. What a week it's been for them. Absolutely rampant on Tuesday night. 4-1 didn't flatter Inverness at all. Morton, by the way, are awful. <laughs> I'm not going to hold back. They genuinely are a dreadful team. They deserve to be ninth. But Inverness were absolutely fantastic. I don't know if anyone's actually watched the highlights of the goals they scored. But at times they were just sensational. Even the indirect free kick. Actually, before we go into anything else, I would like to ask your analysis of what constitutes as a pass back. Stephen McGinty played the ball back to Aidan McAdams. He headed the ball before picking it up. The only reason I could gather why he picked the ball up was because he headed it first and then therefore he thought it wasn't a pass back. What do you think about that? I would still say it's a pass back because it was passed back to him. He controlled it with his head and then picked it up. That doesn't change it was a pass back. But I was trying to figure out what possessed him to pick the ball up because yeah. he actually yeah. headed the ball in the air before deciding to pick up. Anyway, I'm going off topic. Let's speak about Cully Fissel and how brilliant they were. It was touch and go first half. I mean, Morton created one or two chances, but Cali Fissel were certainly the better team. And they did pull one back in the second half. But Inverness always seemed to be in control. And it's quite refreshing to see, particularly after the run of one win in 13 games, where you just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel of how Inverness were going to approve. Especially after the 1-1 draw at Alwa and the 1-0 defeat to Morton at the Caledonian Stadium which was an awful result because Morton are an awful team. But take your hat off to Neil McCann. Whatever he's done there, he has turned things around. There just there seems to be a bit of swagger about Inverness at the moment. And you know what? A lot of it is to do with Davey Carson, in my opinion. I know he was missing for the first part of the season, but the contribution he's made since coming back, he's maybe my contender for Cali Fissel's player of the season. I think he's been terrific in centre midfield, but not only that, he's been called to go back to fullback. Not his natural position, but he's excelled in defence. And not only in defence, he's also a provider, maybe more of a wing back than a fullback. Thinking in, in particular his pass, which set up Daniel Mackay to go on his 50 yard run before firing past to Ross Laidlaw. I'm just really impressed with how Carson's reacted because he was kind of a forgotten man in the first half of the season. Would that be fair to say? Even when he did come back from injury a wee bit, he maybe was a victim of how well Scott Allardyce has been playing, who is my other contender for player of the season so far. Yeah, I think to an extent, 
it was difficult for Carson when he came back because Roddy McGregor had had such a good start to the season and Scott Allardyce had had such a good start to the season. But he also was only just getting back fit when all the matches got called off in January. So I don't know if he would have been coming in and playing 90 minutes straight away anyway, even if Allardyce and McGregor hadn't been tearing it up. You're right. Since he's gone back to right back, I mean, that first couple of games, I think he was against Kai Kennedy and totally marked him out of the game. So he's made an immediate impact there. And it's probably not a coincidence. I think they've won pretty much every game since then. The turnaround at Cali Thistle, like you're alluding to, Will, is just so remarkable. They were they were dire. I mean, you go back to that Iowa game, you go back to that Morton game that they lost at home. They were awful. And that's why we were talking at the time about relegation being a genuine concern for them. It wasn't just where they were on the table. It was how they were playing. It was how unlikely it seemed at the time that they would be able to turn it around. And slowly but surely, they got a couple of results where it wasn't the best of games. It wasn't pretty, but they got the win. And the last couple of games against County and against Morton, like you say, there's a swagger about them. There's a confidence. And I think that's never been more evident than when you look at the goals on Tuesday night. Once I saw them on Wednesday morning, I messaged you. And Todorov's, both of his finishes were fantastic. Daniel McKay's goal was really well taken. Just made it look so simple to take a touch inside curl into the top corner. Even Allardyce is one I know it was like eight yards out, but to get it past so many bodies was still a, a cracking strike. This team looks like they're unstoppable right now. It'd be easy to just dismiss Allardyce's goal on Tuesday because it was an indirect free kick, but that took skill. If you actually noticed it, it the, the first part of the net the ball actually touched was the underside of the roof. That was pinpoint accuracy, and that's not easy to do. Um, you see in direct free kicks and how often do they come off the wall or they just blast into row Z. But Todorov's second goal in particular was Robert Lewandowski-like. Um, just controlled the ball with his chest and then just volleyed it. Other players, it might have gone over the bar or just directly at the keeper. There was a real skill to that. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. And it should be forgotten either his first goal Maybe it was overshadowed by the second goal, but you take another look at it. That was really well taken. It's a beautiful finish. Yes, and he took advantage of awful Morton defending. Because um, Mackay, Daniel Mackay had a lucky header maybe that kind of just crept through the Morton defence, but fair play to Todorov. He absolutely smashed it, but it's overshadowed by uh, his second goal. But I would argue maybe, maybe Daniel Mackay's goal was better than Todorov's. Uh, in terms of just the control, he, he sidesteps the defender and then curls it into the top right corner. That's another guy that's just oozing with confidence at the moment. But Nikolai Todorov, he is the man up front. Four goals in his last three games now, uh, nine in total. He's got a real killer instinct. And I know that his contract is up in the summer and we tried to speak to him if, if he would like to stay longer. Um, he wouldn't be drawn on that. He's only concerned about his short term at the future. But Todorov has been fantastic and he will be vital in the last four games before the end of the regular season uh, and will be vital to ensure Inverness have more games beyond the end of the regular season and are in the, what's the exact word for it, playoff quarterfinals? Yeah, um, and never know, there might be a Scottish Cup quarterfinal somewhere there as well. I think Rafe Rovers are going to get second. They've got enough about them to secure that position and I think they've got enough points in front of them. Dundee... I'll never be convinced about you, Dundee. They're always hit and miss. Although they've had some good results lately. Did well to come back against Dunfermline. But 
Dunfermline are in an absolute free fall at the moment. They got a draw against Hearts, but Hearts aren't playing well either. I reckon Queen of the South could be their biggest competition for that final playoffs place. Um, if they beat them on Saturday, it's theirs to lose. It's out of their hands at the moment because Queen of the South and Dunfermline both have a game in hand. But win on Saturday and, yeah, I think it's more than likely Cali Fischl will finish top four. Maybe even third. I can see them finishing above Dundee. Um, so they will have to play, I think, probably two more games than Rafe Rovers in the playoffs. But it's looking good for Inverness. It's hard to bet against them right now for a playoff spot. And if they go down, like you say, and win at Dumfries tomorrow, that'll be a huge result for them there. Dunfermline's game in hand is against Dundee on Tuesday night. So it could all be in Inverness's favour in a week's time. But even having said that, it's probably really easy to get carried away. I'm probably as guilty of that as anyone else. Neil McCann is looking behind him to make sure that Inverness stay focused for the next couple of games. And he's right to do that as well. Let's not forget, before the Morton game, relegation playoff was still a possibility for Cully Thistle. It was only five points between Morton and Inverness. I think that game was huge in just dismissing relegation. I think we can just forget it now. It's still mathematically possible, but Morton are eight points behind now with four to play, as are our growth, as are Air United. I think Air United might have another point extra, but it's between those three teams now as far as I'm concerned for the relegation playoff. McCann's done his job, at least ensured championship football next season. It could be better. And there's every chance now, because whoever gets to the playoff final in the championship, whether it's Hamilton or Ross County or Kilmarnock, I would fancy their chances now, especially after watching Inverness against Ross County. I messaged you after that game to say, I quite fancy two teams to go up from the championship. And and you weren't as convinced at that point. Maybe seeing Inverness on Tuesday has changed your mind a little bit there. But as positive as the week has been for Cali Thistle, it was a shocker from Ross County last Friday, wasn't it? It was okay first half, I thought, and they, they took the lead. But Inverness came back immediately. And the one thing I noticed about Ross County, their heads just went down. They were there for the taking. Can you remember a shot in the second half Ross County had on goal? No, not one. No. And quite worryingly, that kind of followed on from the performance against St. Johnston the week before. Um, where they barely created a chances. It was all backs to the wall stuff. We've always said that Ross County under John Hughes have been a bit inconsistent with the results. And unfortunately, they're becoming consistent now with defeats. Um, they lost to St. Mirren, uh, 1-0 to be fair. But then they lost to St. Johnston. Hibernian in between, sorry, I forgot about Hibernian. Um, even though Hibis are an excellent team. And then... To me, the, the Scottish Cup defeat was a shock. People are going to say Ross County weren't playing well, Cali Fissel were coming good. I don't care. It's still a, If you're a premiership team and you lose to a team below you in the championship, that is a shock as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you're playing at a higher level. You should be favourites to win the game. But Cali Fissel in the second half just wanted it more. I don't know what you felt, but I felt there was a real lethargy with Ross County, particularly in the second half, maybe for the majority of the first half as well. The first half, like you say, they didn't play too badly, but they weren't threatening. They were in control, but that was about as far as they got until they got the goal. I think it was quite telling that both goals in the first half came from set pieces because neither team really looked like making a breakthrough from open play. They didn't have that fluency. But then once Cali Thistle got back into it, they kicked on and Ross County went in the complete opposite direction. That second half, for me, and maybe I'm being overly harsh, that was as bad as I've seen County for a long time. And 
you're saying it's still a shock. It's a premiership team against a championship team. The fact that you couldn't tell that from watching that one team was a tier above will be a huge source of concern for Staggy's fans and for the players as well, because if that's what they're going to be putting up for the next few weeks, suddenly we've gone from Cali Thistle being doom and gloom to now being hugely optimistic to Ross County can kick on and really secure safety to being in massive, massive trouble again. Because you can't expect Kilmarnock to be as bad defensively tomorrow as they were up in Dingwall either. They were all over the shop when County scored three goals against them. So this is such a, a huge game in terms of momentum. I mean, it's a cliche, momentum is everything at this time of the year. But if County end up surrendering that advantage that they have already over Kilmarnock and Hamilton in the first game after the split, it's going to be difficult the way they're playing to see a way back for them, in my opinion. Against Cali Fissel, I think uh, John Hughes changed the formation as well, if I remember right. I think there was two up front, wasn't it? Mackay and Ollie Shaw. Yeah, I think Mackay was a bit deeper, but yeah, there definitely seemed to be two of them up front. I'm just wondering if um, Hughes will go back to his try and tested 4-4-1-1, maybe with Jordan White up front and then someone playing behind. I'm, I'm all for attacking football and I think Ollie Shaw has maybe been a bit hard done by, given his form previously. But the formation with Mackay and Shaw up front, it, it didn't work uh, against Cali Fissel. So maybe Hughes has to go back to being a bit more defence-minded, not too defensively minded. I don't want to see them play like they did against St Johnston because they just didn't pose an attacking threat at all. And worryingly, Tommy Wright seems to have had a, not I wouldn't say a positive response because they're still in the 11th place, but they've got Kyle Laverty up front, who's a marquee player for them. And uh, he will be the main danger point for Kilmarnock on Saturday. I think Hughes will probably change the formation back to a 4-4-1-1 and just try and suffocate Lafferty up front. They need a response. And the thing is, Hughes can get a response out of the squad. You've seen it in results, um, like Gabardine, like against Celtic, against Hamilton and Kilmarnock as well. Um, It was win-loss, win-loss, if I remember right. But the splits now in Kilmarnock, you'd have to say Kilmarnock is one of the big games of the five. That and Hamilton. If they beat Kilmarnock and Hamilton lose as well, there's a good chance that uh, Ross County will avoid any sort of uh, relegation fight whatsoever. If they play like they did against Cali Fissel and St Johnston, they will get beat. But Hughes is capable of getting a response out of his team. Just a a quick thing on the Shaw Mackay White thing there. I quite liked when I saw the starting lineup that Ollie Shaw was getting a chance and, you know, play alongside Billy Mackay. Mackay's in form, scoring goals for fun right now. I could understand that. I could understand why he'd want to rest Jordan White. But it was just baffling to me that even though Jordan White was on the bench and Ollie Shaw was the focal point, they kept playing high balls up front. You know, all the chat since January has been somebody like Shaw needs to play off of a Jordan White or Mackay needs to play off of a Jordan White. And County were playing like they still had Jordan White on the pitch and asking Ollie Shaw to do the same job, which is very well established at this point, isn't his bag. So it almost seemed like they only had one plan and they were going to do that regardless of who's on the pitch, which is very much a problem when you were coming into this time of the season. You're talking about the Kilmarnock game, though. Here's just a little bit of what John Hughes had to say when he was talking to the press this week about how important that game is and how his players might cope with it. At this time of the season, it's all to play for, and 
there's a trepidation and anxiety and it'll be on every teams. We go down to Kilmarnock, there at home, I think all the pressure will be on Kilmarnock. No matter what, that's how you handle it and it's, it's all down to courage and character. Uh, I think I've got good character and courage uh, at this club. We just need to make sure that we turn up match day and you know we don't fluff our lines when it when when it starts. So I think one has to realise that what's at stake, but you can't let that affect the way you go about your business. You know, it's like you you have to be at your best. That comes down to character. Oh, there'll be trepidation and there'll be nerves, but you have to use that as your fuel. I think it's down to experience a player and the character of the player and what they've done in the game. You know, can you bring that to the table when it? So that game on a Saturday that yeah, you don't get caught up in that you, you you're still good enough to play your football. We've been here before, so I'm hoping that we can somewhere subconsciously away in the back of your mind, you know that comes out and you go right, come on in. This is what we've done the last time. We stay up, uh, so let's go again. So even when I come in, I, I always knew that it would probably come down to this. I always knew we'd have to get results and big results to give us a chance. And we've we've done half the job. We've done half the job. Who would ever think we would go down to Easter Road and beat Habs, beat Celtic here, beat Aberdeen here? And we've done it. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because on one hand, you're kind of looking for the situation to inspire the players. On the other hand, if they're going to buckle under the weight of that, they're better just playing the game as it is and not thinking about it. I mean, I disagree with John when he says all the pressures on Kilmarnock. Um, the pressure is equal on both teams. Uh, Ross County have the advantage in terms of points. They can be caught by Kilmarnock. So the players have to take the responsibility of ensuring they at least avoid defeat. Like I said, it, the formation against Cali Fissel just didn't work and it has to be changed. I would start with White up front. I would maybe bring in uh, Regan Charles Cook back in the wing. I think he presents a real threat for Ross County going forward, whereas maybe the likes of Charlie Larkin doesn't. I do quite like Larkin as a player, but he is a very different style of player, right enough. I just think they need a, a real bit of pace on the wing because I think Charles Cook offers that more than Charlie Larkin. And I'd definitely go back to the 4 4 1 1. I think that would kind of work against Kilmarnock. I think Jordan White has the physicality and the ability to win balls in the air, which maybe Shaw and Mackay doesn't. Um, so I think that would be their most successful way of at least getting a result on Saturday. I think they're going to have to start with Jordan White. If it's not working with playing the ball on the ground, you're going to have to find another way to win. And Jordan White gives you that option. Well, Will is going to be at that game at Rugby Park tomorrow, so follow him for updates from that. I'm going to be in Dumfries. It's not exactly a quick journey for either of us, Will, but follow me for Cali Thistle updates, follow Will for Ross County updates. We're going an extra 400-mile round trip just for you, so the least you can do is follow us. It's almost a Proclaimer song in there. (laughs) (laughs) We need an extra 100 miles, but that journey's far enough. Yeah, I I think we'll settle for what we've got this weekend. There has been a a couple of bits of news, really, concerning the North Caledonian League. There are fixtures announced for them to finally finish their season after a few months off, but also potential promotion to the Highland League. Will, I know you've been talking to a few people this week. What's been going on? Well, we're aware that there's a tier six in the west of Scotland uh, and the east of Scotland, which feed into the 
the Lowland League. Sorry, I've forgotten the South of Scotland League as well. Not forgetting them either. Um, but the plan is, and it's it's not official as of yet, but the North Caledonian League, along with the North Junior Super League and the East Junior Super League, which I believe is about to become the Midlands League, will become part of a Tier 6 North, um, which if it happens, it will see uh, relegation playoffs introduced into the Highland League. It's, it's great news. It allows ambitious clubs out with uh, the Highland League in the North to have the opportunity to play at a higher standard of football. doesn't help at the moment there's only really two clubs that are eligible to be for promotion in that case. Golsby Sutherland in the North Caledonian League and Banks of D, who have been a real powerhouse in North football, regardless of being in the juniors. Uh, they've had some great results in the Aberdeenshire Cup, in the Aberdeenshire Shield. And uh, even in the Scottish Cup itself, they've taken some notable sculpts. So I think it's a great development and uh, maybe just gives the opportunity for senior football to be introduced into areas which doesn't have senior football at the moment. Yeah, we're talking about opening up the pyramid from the SPFL into the Highland League. It's just adding that extra step, isn't it, and keeping that pathway, that progression option and opportunity there for all clubs regardless of what level you're at. It's exciting times. It'd be interesting to see um, the ambition of those clubs that uh, exist within them, them divisions. Some of them might be happy to say, you know what, we're happy playing at that level of football. But I think in the next few years anyway, there will be clubs at that level who will um, improve their infrastructure and, and their, their setup as well to make sure that they are eligible for promotion. As far as I'm aware... In the North Caledonian League, I think there's only two clubs that own their own grounds. I think that's Golsby, Sutherland and Hullcock United. There's a number of clubs that actually rent facilities from schools or the council just to play games. But with the carrot dangled in front of their noses, they might be keen to develop themselves and fancy the opportunity of playing at a higher level in the Highland League. You know, the, the poster boys are Cove Rangers. In the 1980s, they were a junior team. And uh, look where they now are. They could easily be a championship club next season. Certainly, Cove Rangers would fancy their chances in the playoffs, especially if they get to the final and face Morton, who are awful. You're not going to let that one go, are you? <laughs> no, I, I, I've said my piece with Morton. But, um, you know, speaking to people in North Caledonian League, there are some clubs that have felt that they have been stuck in a rut. I know uh, Hallkirk United in particular in the past they developed Morrison Park, which is a fantastic stadium, in the hope that one day they might get the opportunity for promotion. I'm not sure if they still have the same mentality, but it was certainly one of their main ambitions when I was working up there. So next season, it'd be great to see it established. I'm not sure if there's a, a couple of clubs that are constantly at the bottom of the Highland League that um, will welcome this news, uh, <coughs> Fort William. Or Lossie Mouth or even Clark McCudden, who haven't been doing well in, in recent years. But I think it'll be good for North football. If a club outside the Highland League has ambitions of um, progressing, why not? It's certainly a better idea than Colts teams being introduced into League Two anyway, which you know how I feel about the Hindu. We covered that a few weeks ago. I think that was the last one before you went on holiday and maybe you needed the holiday after that episode. I did. I needed to calm <laughs> down when I saw the proposals. I'm not joking. That really angered me that... Start at the bottom tier seven, fair enough, but don't buy your way into League Two. But that is all potentially plans for next season. I should quickly say North Cali football is coming back next month as things stand. 
Yeah, excellent. And I might actually have a chance to go and cover these games. During my earlier days as a journalist working in Caithness, I covered Hullkirk United and Firstow on a regular basis, and uh, it was always great crack. Don't really get to the opportunity to do that um, since moving to Inverness because we've got, obviously, Ross County, Cali Fasol, they're the biggest supported teams, and even Highland League as well. We get the chance to go out to them too. But even though I haven't actually had a chance to report North Cali in the last few years, We've developed great relationships with the clubs like Inverness Athletic and Loch Ness in our area anyway. And then we've got the Rosher teams, Invergordon, St Duffus, Allness. They're really grateful of the publicity. And I think it's an opportunity for the league itself to get more exposure because there won't be the competition of the Premiership or the Championship, which will be finished by that time. The Highland League, they've given up the ghost for this season and declared Bruin Rangers champions. But this is a real opportunity for the league to be showcased. What effect that has on the amateur summer football season, I don't know as of yet, but it's just great that there's a commitment from the North Caledonian League to at least finish the season. Because last season, they declared it null and void, which really angered the likes of Invergordon because they they, they voted for the points per game system, which they felt was the right decision to do because they only had two or three games left. So it's a great to see the season will play to finish and the champions will be crowned. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it was fantastic news for them. Some clubs only have one or two games to play, but at least we're finally going to get to finish the season. That's what it's all been about over the last, well, few months while we've been waiting, just been desperate for that to come back. There's also been a bit of good news, if I can move away from football, for discus thrower Kirsty Law, who recorded a new personal best last weekend of just under 59 metres. I say it's good news. When I talked to her about it earlier on this week, she wasn't exactly over the moon about it. I am happy, um, but I just, I know there's more there. So I'm like, there's tweet really. It's a step in the right direction. I've been working on things that I think have held me back in the past, like my jumps and my running and just technical wise. Yes, I know I, I do it, um, but to do it well and correct is a whole different ball game. So, yeah, I've been uh, I've been working hard on that. And um, the weekend, yeah, it was good, and I I'm pleased with it. But uh, I know what I did, what I didn't do. Uh, the conditions weren't the best, and so it's just all them factors, external factors that can help to you through further. Sure. Do you have a, a particular target in mind? Um, sixty plus. Right. It's not new to me I've been doing it in training for the last 10 years well like 10 years ago but it's just I've never done it in comp but again it's to me I finally feel like I understand the throw and what I'm meant to be doing um it's only taken me 20 years but I'm there (laughs) I just finally understand the throw I'm not just going through the motions you know what I mean just um like I finally know what I'm meant to be doing and how I'm meant to be doing it so it's just it just clicked so there you go. Plenty of ambition from Kirsty Law there that she's got a new personal best and she's still not even massively happy about that. She thinks she can go even further. Bodes well for the future in theory. 20 years, she's getting better like a fine wine with age. <laughs> yeah, but she is. She's achieving personal best now and she's smashed the minimum distance required for competing in the Commonwealth Games. Uh, she must have a real chance of winning a medal. 
Um, you'll have to forgive me. I'm not sure of where the, the main powerhouses of discs come from across the world, but if that's the minimum distance for the Commonwealth Games, she's got to be within a chance of um, at least winning a medal. And it's good that she's gotten that wrapped up so early in the cycle. She's not going to have to worry about that over the next few weeks, months, even potentially into the start of next year before she confirms her place. That's done and dusted. She can relax now. And you're talking about powerhouses and discus. She's now second in the all-time Scottish rankings for discus throwers. So, you know, she's right up there. You're right. She should absolutely be in contention for a medal. She's been Scottish champion. I don't know how many times. I think we've all lost count at this point. Yeah, she's been a British champion as well, hasn't she? So she's going to be right in the mix She's going to have a busy few weeks as well over the next little while competing. She's got a few different tournaments lined up and a few different countries as well around Europe. So you never know. She might just get that 60 metres some point soon. And if she does it at the Commonwealth, all the better. It's fantastic to see an athlete from the Highlands that has been talked about um, possibly winning a medal at the Commonwealth Games. You know, if she keeps going the way she is, she's keep achieving personal best. There's no reason why she can't get over 60 metres. It's funny a little bit how these podcasts work out. Some weeks it's all doom and gloom and this has been cancelled and that's been cancelled and this doesn't look like it's coming back. This week it feels quite positive because we've got the North Cali League coming back next month, new personal best for Kirsty Law, and we're taking more steps on the route back for Shinty. We're finally starting to get some semblance of what the season's going to look like and who's going to be playing who because a couple of cup draws have been made. By the time you listen to this, the McTavish Cup draw will have been made it was actually made after we recorded, so we can't talk about that in a huge amount of detail. But the Kamenach Cup draw was made earlier this week. There's some really exciting matches in there. There's the Badenoch Derby, for one. I mean, you can't get much bigger than that for the Kamenach Cup second round. I'm sure the, the draw was conducted fairly. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering if someone got an absolute swearing for drawing Newton Moore of Kingnussy. That's a joke, by the way. I'm sure there was no cold balls or warm balls in the draw. But uh, that's basically the, the old farm of Shinty. So other clubs might look at that and uh, think, wow, we fancy our chances now of actually winning the tournament with one of the big guns going. King Lucy won the league in 2019. I think Newton Moore were the champions of the Kamenot Cup as well. They're certainly the big two anyway. Love it. You know, from Kiltarla area, they've always got it in them. They'll be hopeful that they can make a real push um, towards winning the trophy. And then you've got the Rosher too, Caberfay, who still have probably the most dangerous strike force in, in Shinty in, uh, and Kinlock Shield as well, who you can never rule out. It's just great to have the sport back, though. And the fact they're actually planning these matches. Uh, the leagues aren't coming back, as we know it. It's still going to be regionalised leagues, but hey, it's the first step back towards normality, so I'll certainly take it. And Caberfe pushed Newton Moore all the way in the semi-final a couple of years back as well, didn't they? That's right, it was 7-5 after extra time. It was it was one of the greatest uh, spectacles of sport I've witnessed anyway. It was great because I was sitting in the Caberfe end, um, not that I have allegiances to anyone, but uh, there was a huge support from Straff Pepper that went along. Uh, a few carryouts as well, I noticed, at Buck Park. <laughs> That's what you were paying attention to. Forget about the sport. Yeah, I did that, but it was, you know, it just shows how important Shinty is to these rural communities because there were hundreds of people that came out to watch it and they were all packed at uh, the stands and singing along. And it was, it was great to see. I haven't been to too many Shinty matches myself, but uh, 
going to a semi-final or a final of a major cup competition, I would certainly recommend it. Yeah, and you can see the full draw for the first couple of rounds of the Kamenata Cup up on, I was about to say the Inverness Courier website, but it's probably not just the Courier, there's probably a few different uh, HN media sites that you can find it on. We'll have the McTavish Cup draw up as well, so if you want the full details, go and check them out online. I think now it's time for my usual whip around of some of the other titles, Will. So in the John O'Groat Journal, this might be the first time we're talking about the John O'Groat Journal. It's not an Alan Henry article, which is a little strange to say. Um, Gene Gunn has been writing on the back page about a Great Britain qualifying event for the Olympic surfing team that's going to be held in Thurso. Obviously, it's prime location for surfing. I think there's a, a bit of a reputation up there for surfing, isn't there, Will? So great to see these events taking place and great that one's coming to Thurso at all. Great article by Mean Jean, uh, who I know very well. Uh, had the pleasure of working with her as well. People don't recognise how big a sport surfing in Caithness actually is. You know, the amount of school kids in Caithness that are actually involved in getting into the water... The organisers up there do a great job. But what people don't realise as well, people actually move to Furso just to um, surf the waves. There's a lot of people actually from Fraserburgh, your neck of the woods, you'd be surprised to know that actually um, live There's a couple there. entering this qualifier that I'm aware of, yeah. <laughs> Port Soy as well. It's got its own Doric community of surfers up there. Yeah. But not just that, I remember interviewing people that moved from Australia um, just to surf the waves at Furso. Firso is actually ranked among the top five destinations in the world for wave quality. It used to be a host to a, an event called the O'Neill Classic. Basically, it was five events um, which took place in Australia, California, Hawaii. They got a shock when they came to Firso. <laughs> <laughs> slightly different, slightly different. Yeah, I think it was March, but it was a huge event. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't take place now. But it just shows how well-respected surfing is in Furso. And with surfing coming into the Olympics, it might not be long before there might be um, some surfers from Caithness that are actually representing Great Britain. Well, the hope is that that's going to happen this year because there's a few local surfers in Thurso that are going to be entering this qualifier. So you never know. It's not just them, though. Even along in the Northern Scot, Catriona McDonald is also competing in that same qualifying event. So it's one of the few times I can actually link together the same story for the Northern Scot and the General Growth Journal, which just goes to show exactly, as you say, how much of a community there actually is and how widespread, surprisingly, though it might be for some people, it really is. Also in the Northern Scot, Elgin City, huge win for them last weekend. They're up to second in League Two. We're talking about a potential playoff charge for Cali Thistle. Elgin City might be about to win promotion for the first time since they went into the SPFL. So hugely exciting times for them. I'm sure if and when they confirm a playoff spot, I think Automatic might be slightly out of their reach. I haven't looked at the league table the last few days, but I think that might be too far for them. If and when they get into the playoffs and are promoted, we will, of course, have somebody on from the Northern Scots talk about it because that would be a huge story for all involved at Borough Briggs. Christy might be getting very excited with Elgin City's chances of promotion. Um, it's their best chance ever, as far as I'm concerned. They're not going to catch Queen's Park, a professional team now. I think they're too far ahead. Ten points, actually. But um, certainly their best chance ever. I think they're a good bit, bit ahead of Stranraer in fifth, six points. So 
it's in their hands and uh, it'd be great to see a, another North team get a promotion because Elgin City has waited a long time for it. It would be well-deserved. I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Will, is there any other story that's caught your eye that I haven't brought up this week since you've been back in the fold? I really enjoyed your piece with um, Jess Butler from Inverness Craig Dornane speaking about the success of um, women's rugby in the city. Um, you might want to speak a little bit more about that to better summarise it than me. Well, we talked a little bit about Craig Dornane on last week's show about them just getting a permanent home at this new artificial pitch that's going to be built at the University of the Highlands and Islands Inverness campus. I then put the full interview up on our Balls and Whistles feed, so you can actually go and listen to that as well as reading it in today's Inverness Courier. Basically, she was just talking about how women's rugby specifically in the area has changed from being just a handful of players down at Craig Denane training when she first joined to up at now, I think she said 30 or 40 players affiliated with the club and the women's sides now. And they went on a great run in the national plate a couple of years ago. They've been close to promotion a couple of times as well over the last few years. Everything's just looking really bright for the club as a whole and, and specifically women's rugby. So yeah, go and give that one a read. Go and check it out. Listen to the interview on websites, wherever you get your podcast. Usually it'll be there. I thought it was quite a good one and it was interesting just to catch up with Jess and get her thoughts on it. And a special mention to our colleague uh, Federica Stefani, who is a star of the Inverness Craig Dunane uh, women's rugby team. And you can actually potentially hear a little bit from Federica herself in the weeks to come, because I believe there's a new podcast about to be launching under the Highland News and Media banner. I don't know exactly when that's going to be out, but keep an eye out for that on all the websites and we'll be plugging it on our Twitter feed as well. It joins, obviously, Balls and Whistles and also the Active Outdoors podcast, which I totally forgot to mention on last week's show, but we were plugging that on social media as well. The podcast family is growing in Highland News and Media. I know, excellent. What is Federica's podcast with? She is going to be doing a podcast with our content editor, Andy Dixon, looking at health and fitness. So keep an eye out for that one. Well, as long as Andy's nowhere in his leotard, I'll be uh, happy to listen to it. I think he was talking about doing a video version of that, actually. So you might get to see if he's wearing a leotard or not. Well, God help us all. <laughs> On that note, I don't think there's a better place to end it, is there? Yeah, I think we've crossed a line. I think we better end it now. Yeah, I think we, we've officially reached the point that we should wrap up. So if anyone wants to get in touch with the show, you can find us on Twitter at balls underscore whistles. You can email us at ballsandwhistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be in Dumfries for Cali Whistles game tomorrow. Will's going to be in Kilmarnock for Ross County's game. For the time being, thank you very much for listening. Have a good week. We'll be back next time with another episode of Balls and Whistles. And I'm getting my hair cut today. Hooray!